Chapter 9 Trading Pirates for Peanuts The sun set a few hours after our encounter with the Coast Guard. Nighttime on Kasiri was something to behold. Every color in the rainbow streaked across the sky. Kaya explained that it was an aurora borealis, usually only seen near the poles of a planet. It's caused by star radiation being pushed around by the planet's magnetic field and skimming the atmosphere. Kaya figured that on Kasiri it could be seen anywhere at night, as the radiation was deflected by her three moons. I understood what Kaya was talking about, but I didn't really care at the time. I just knew it was beautiful. I was wrapped up in my cape. It was putting on a show of its own, mimicking the Aurora Borealis. This was the first chance I'd had to ask Kaya about it. It's alive, she told me. Alive? Does that mean I should be feeding it and stuff? No, just wash it in water. Make sure it has light. Kaya explained that it was made from the shed skin of a creature from some planet she couldn't remember. If I take care of it like a plant, it'll live forever. Apparently, the animal can camouflage itself completely. So it'll pick up on your moods and either display you in bright colors or hide you with perfect camouflage. Kind of like your hair. Kaya got quiet for a second. Then... You could say that. I'm sorry. I kind of got the feeling you don't like talking about it. What gave you that idea? The way you almost killed Derek when he brought it up? Yeah, he does know how to get under my skin, she said, followed by silence, then a sigh. <sighs> the thing about my hair is that I don't understand it myself. I'm the only one of my species I can remember. What color was your dad's hair? Kaya thought about this for a second, going through the one memory she had of him. Don't know, was her conclusion. Kind of think it was light brown. But then in my memory, it was black. That makes sense. Yours is kind of brown when nothing much is happening, but it turns black in a fight. Except for when you fought Derek. Then it was red. Oops, might have said too much, because Kaya got quiet again. I got off the subject with the social grace of someone jumping from a train. How far can my cape stretch? Because I didn't think it was big enough to cover us both. Kaya seemed appreciative. It can nearly double its size, but the bigger it gets, the less effective the camouflage. Hmm, gotcha. Cool. Social crisis averted. All discussion then eased into a more comfortable silence, broken only by the sound of water splashing against the hull. When we could no longer keep our eyes open, Kaya pulled some bedding up to the deck, and we slept under the dancing stars. As I drifted off to sleep, I remember feeling so alive. In a few short days, I'd gone from a girl who rarely left the house, preferring to spend time with books and learning, to a woman of action. As bad as the bad stuff was, taken as a whole, I liked the change. Next thing I knew, some little old lady was singing in my ear. Little Maddie, little Maddie, wake up. This must have been my grams. For some reason, I got the sinking feeling that had nothing to do with the gravity on Kaziri. I used to sing that song to wake up her father when he was little. She must have been talking to Kaya, who didn't respond. Was I really going to have to hear this stupid song every morning until I was out on my own? I kept my eyes closed and wondered a little bit about what I would do in my new life. 
She's gotten so big. But then again, I haven't seen her since she was an infant. I'd heard Graham's voice before, in phone conversations and v-mails. Still, hearing her live, she sounded like a stranger. Is she all right? She's had a rough time of it, said Kaya, so I let her sleep through docking. I peeked a bit to see Kaya with another syringe. She walked out of my view. Oh, is that necessary? asked Grams. Absolutely. It's a never-ending war against the little bugs. Grams was smaller than I expected, but my expectations were kind of dumb. Dad was small. Why would she be any different? She wasn't nearly as frail as Dad was, though. She had a tenacity about her that was hard to place. On one level, she was a simple little old lady who worked on a farm. At the same time, she gave you the feeling she wasn't one to be tangled with. You speak, merchant? Kai observed after she gave Grams the injection in her upper arm. Yes, Janus taught us. I'm afraid that I don't speak it well. It's a language of necessity. No one speaks it well. That ended their conversation for an awkward few seconds. Then Graham started up that stupid song again. I couldn't take it. I'm awake! I'm awake! As I tried to get up, it became clear that I was still having trouble with mass. Kaya had told me that natural gravity was different than artificial gravity and that I'd get used to it, but it wasn't happening. <sighs> I still feel heavy. Oh, Natty, you're too young to be concerned about your weight. Besides, you look fine. Um, thanks, Grams. Kaya to the rescue. It's a dense planet, twice the gravity of Victalis. It'll take a while for her to get used to it. Oh, uh, of course, Graham said to Kaya, a bit embarrassed, I think. Then she turned to me. Let me get a look at you, she said, wrapping me in a bear hug just as I got to my feet. She then held me out at arm's length for a better view. Oh, you did get your mother's good looks. Thank the tides of time for that. Good looks? I'd been through the ringer in the past couple days. Finishing up in a sea spray on the deck, and I had just woken up, I probably had dried drool on my face. But that's the good thing about family, I suppose. I hear you've gotten your father's brains and stubbornness. Your friend has told me about your trip so far. I shot a look to Kaya. My friend? She shrugged, like, whatever. Grams didn't notice. She went on talking. You shouldn't be concerned about Janus. I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to see him one last time. Her voice trailed off a bit. But not with sadness. Really, more like a melancholy acceptance. After a sigh, she finished her thought. That's life, I suppose. I know he's happy to be given a chance to make a difference in the world. I know. Platitudes. They seemed to help Grams deal with the situation. But I was done with them. You're what's important now, Miss Alatus, she said, turning over a new topic. How are you holding up? Are you excited about being back home? Home? There was a concept. I decided not to get into the details right then. Sure, I guess. Then, for the first time, I noticed we weren't at sea any longer. Where are we? It looked like a warehouse had swallowed the ship. Dry dock at Port Adelan. Do I have time to shower and change? Okay by me. Of course. I cleaned up, put on a variation of something victalous casual, with my cape 
draped down my back, packed what little stuff I had taken out of my trunks and tried to pick one up. It wouldn't budge. No matter how I tried, I couldn't make it move. Cassirian gravity had it nailed to the floor. Something about this upset me more than it should have. A bundle of emotions exploded in the form of angry frustration. I attacked the poor old trunk, kicking, punching, and screaming. This didn't last long, as just moving was an effort in this gravity. By the time Kaya came down to see what the problem was, I was across the bed, exhausted. What's up? asked Kaya, all casual. Bless her for that. I can't carry my own weight in this planet. Kaya considered that for a second. And then, typical for her, she said nothing but took action. She grabbed the handle of the trunk, lifted it onto her shoulder, and headed out the door. Have I mentioned her strength? Back on deck, we noticed a commotion inside the hangar. Grams looked over the edge of the ship. I'm afraid, Captain... Call me Kaya. I'm afraid, Kaya. You'll find your welcome a little cold. I looked over the rail to see a crowd of about 200 people around the gangplank, all of them wearing surgical masks, or worse, full-on gas masks. They carried signs in Kassirian that read, No peace with pirates, and take your germs and go home, and others along those lines. They were roped off by some police types, but that didn't keep them from being annoying. What are they shouting? No pirates, no peace, I translated for her. Ever since Space Plague arrived, there have been protesters for all the ships. Janus was big news around here. So when word came that you landed on a mission for him, well, most people don't think we should be negotiating with pirates. Funny. When I was growing up, these same people didn't want to deal with Cassirians of different races. Now they stand side by side, protesting beings from other planets. They never learn. You're Sir Janus's mother, all right, Caius said with a smile. Grahams blushed a little bit, I guess with pride. I didn't feel that way. Sure, I was proud of my dad and all, but I kept thinking about what it would be like here, having to defend him every day. And would those people wear gas masks around me all the time? How was I ever going to get to know anyone here? Are you going to blow them away with cannons or anything? I asked Kaya, maybe with a little bit of wishful thinking. For what? Calling us names? Then she was back to business. The protesters don't matter. I can't stay. Wait, what? No. Kaya couldn't leave. Not yet. Uh, was all that came out of my mouth. Then, can you at least stay for dinner? Uh, I... You'll do more than that. You'll spend the night. Way to go, Grams! But Janus told me how strenuous space travel is. You'll need a home-cooked meal, some fresh air, and a good night's sleep. I'll not take no for an answer. With that, she picked up my smallest bag and headed off the ship, leaving Kaya with no way of declining the invitation. Kaya had finally met her match. She turned to me with an excuse. Ugh, it'll take them a while to rig the ship for blast-off. Yes, I wouldn't have to face my first day with my new family alone. Funny, not long ago, I was scared to death just to be around Kaya. Now, I was scared to be without her. I waited in Graham's truck while Kaya loaded my things and arranged with a dockmaster for the booster rockets, all of this accompanied by the angry jeers from the gathering mob. 
To them, I was a sideshow, some disease-carrying monster that should be disposed of. Great. Welcome home. The truck was a rickety old thing with such a layer of dust on it that I don't think it had been driven since I was born. The bed was just some planks of wood bolted to the chassis. One torn-up seat ran the width of the cabin. On the roof and over the hood there were solar panels where someone had attempted to wipe the thick layer of dust clean, without complete success. I hoped that Grams had some other means of transport at home, and that the truck was just to carry my bags. I also wondered what the local procedures were to get cleared to drive around here. When the jalopy was packed and arrangements made, Kaya came up to me. Friendly crowd. Great, I'm a freak show already. Kaya looked over me to address Grams. I'll follow you in my GV. GV? Sorry, ground vehicle. I'll follow you so you won't have to give me a ride back tomorrow. That was okay by Grams. So Kaya went back up the gangway to her ship. Rude chants from the protesters followed her all the way. I don't know what their problem was. Space plague wasn't anyone's fault in particular, and space travel wasn't going to go away just because they didn't like the idea. And peace is a good thing. Why not make friends first and then try to work out differences, with pirates or protesters? Wow, I was becoming my dad. The mob's chants were reaching a peak when a roar from the deck shook the walls of the hangar and shocked the crowd into silence. Next thing we know, Kaya came flying off the ship riding a machine that looked like some kind of a jungle cat. The angry mob turned into a frightened flock as they scattered for their lives. Kaya landed her machine on the newly cleared space with the grace of something nature made. It had short brown and black fur and big green eyes rimmed in gold. Kaya sat on a saddle that had handles for manual steering, though I would come to find out that its autopilot was just as good. The head was obviously designed to look like a predator. Those green-gold eyes were optical sensor arrays, and the mouth and air intake. Teeth were added for effect, or maybe they served some practical purpose. I don't know. When Kaya revved the engines, the air intake adjusted the mouth-like valve as it gulped in the local atmosphere. That, coupled with the head looking around in a tactical sweep of the situation, brought that machine as close to real life as anything mechanical could ever be. Bitchin', I whispered to myself. I couldn't help it. That mob had made me so angry and depressed. Kaya had put the fear of all that's holy into them, and looked great doing it. She knew exactly how to cheer me up. She cantered her GV to my side of Graham's truck throttled the engine down to a purr, and bent over to talk to us. They want a freak show? They got one. She winked at me. I swear, Kaya Moria, badass space pirate, winked at me. I didn't want to grin back. I wanted to stay in a bad mood, but I couldn't help it. I nodded toward the motor cat. Does it have a name? It's just a ground vehicle. Why does everything have to have a name with you? I don't know. It's kind of cute. Kaya gave me a, you're kidding, right? Look, and then said to the air, ship locked down, defense mode one. The blast shields cranked up on the ship. I'd hate to think what would happen under defense mode one to any of those protesters who wanted to mess with the Laco. Kaya asked Grams and me, ready? Grams started up her old farm truck that seemed like, 
like an old farm truck compared to Kaya's monster. But Grams proudly put the rickety thing into gear and sang out cheerily, Here we go! Off on a new adventure! At the time, her attempt to cheer me up had the opposite effect. She was trying too hard. Looking back on it, I wish I could have warned her how right she was and how horrible this new adventure would turn out for her. Port Adelan was a fair-sized metropolis. Cassirians from all over the planet lived and worked there. Despite the protesters outside, there were a handful of people from other planets around as well. I even saw some Victalia sites. Seeing them made me feel like I wanted to say hello, where I never would have thought twice about them back home. It was also hard to get used to seeing so many of my own species together in one place. I know that should have been a comfort, but at the time it just felt weird. I didn't know there were that many of us around until then. We made our way along the seaside on a busy street. Open-air markets sold fish and produce and goods from around the galaxy. The swarm of people around the restaurants indicated we had arrived around lunchtime. Are you hungry? asked Grams as she noticed me checking out the food stands. No, I'm fine. Are you? I had a big breakfast at the hotel, so I'm not hungry either. Hotel? Grams explained that it was a long drive out here and that she had been expecting us several days earlier. I'm sorry, you must have been worried. Oh, I was. Until Janus's trial, or whatever they called that show, came on the news. There was no mention of a daughter. So I was sure he'd made arrangements for your safe journey. How much longer would you have waited? She glanced over at me as she steered. I'd have waited for you until the end of time. <laughs> but in another day or two, I'd have done the waiting at home. I smiled back and tried to feel as confident as Graham's. I think I felt about her the way I felt about the planet in general. Something about them both was familial, but I didn't know much about either one. We skirted around downtown Port Adelan. I could see high-rise buildings in the distance as we got onto a raised concrete road that might as well have been on Victalis, except that a ceiling of solar energy panels covered it. A metal strip down the middle of each lane sparked as cars passed by. From their speed, I got the feeling we were making lousy time. Grams didn't seem phased by it. We'd get there when we got there. After an hour or so on the highway, we exited onto a country road. As each hour passed, now heading up toward five of them, we took smaller and smaller roads into more rural areas. Soon, Port Adelan seemed like a distant memory. Grams and Granda lived in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by fields of peanuts. That's what they grew. In fact, that's all I really knew about them. They'd send me peanut stuff and stupid cards on my birthday, which embarrassed me on Victalis. Since a Victalis year is twice as long as a Kassiri one, twice annually I got a card in a language only my family and I knew, along with peanut brittle or peanut butter or sweet roasted peanuts or peanut surprise. Grams talked for the entire drive. I didn't hear most of it. I did catch phrases like, that's the school your father went to, or when Janus was a boy. Dread started to creep back into my mood. No one here knew anything about me, but tons of them knew mom and dad. Their shadow was starting to feel so deep 
and dark that I couldn't even see myself inside it. Grams must have noticed I wasn't listening. She stopped talking for a bit, and the silence caught my attention. When I looked over to see if she was all right, she was staring at me as much as she could while driving. I'm a little scared, you know? What have you got to be scared about? We haven't had a teenager in the house for quite some time. It's a very big change in our lives. I turned away from her. Yeah, well, you're not the only one facing a lot of changes. No. And neither are you. She psychologically sucker-punched me, but for some adolescent reason, I didn't let her know that I got the point. I just stared out of the window. I have missed you and your mother and father since the day you moved off the planet. Now I will outlive my son. No parent should ever experience that. But I have you, and you have me, and together we will see better days. I promise. I looked back at her with a half-hearted smile. This attempt to cheer me up wasn't completely successful either, but helped much more than the singing and proclamations of adventure. Every now and then I glanced in the rearview mirror to check on Kaya. She was riding her beast machine, all nonchalant-like. When we were on the solar-powered road, the GV's tail dragged along the metal band, sucking up energy. Finally, as we crested a rolling hill, Graham said, There's your new home. She was pointing to an elegant wooden building that peeked over the next knoll. The orange glow of the setting Kasiri sun made the house's yellow walls with white trim stand out from the green fields around it. As we got closer, I noticed a porch skirted the first of three floors. The other two sported gabled windows that looked out over the empty farmland. I could tell the house was old, but well taken care of. Overall, it was a beautiful place to live for the very old or the very young. I was neither. As we pulled into the driveway, Grandad and his hunting dog were waiting for us. Grandad was a character. He puffed on a pipe that sent curls of white, sweet-smelling smoke into the air. He must not have been the type to pace or fidget, since the smoke had settled around him like his own personal fog. The dog lay at Grandad's feet, seemingly content. As soon as we drove up, he asked, How'd the truck hold out? That's a fine way to say hello to a granddaughter you haven't seen in ages. Help us with these trunks. His clouds swirled as he headed toward the back of the truck. Must have done all right, cause you're here. The hound raised his head to see what all the fuss was about, but didn't do anything until I crawled out of the passenger seat. Then he was up and barking. Grandad shouted out, Nui, in a firm voice. That got him quiet for a second, but then he seemed playful with his tongue slobbering all over the place and his tail going crazy. I had a sudden realization. Was he... Did you have this dog when I was little? We sure did. He was just a tiny thing then. So were you. I turned to Kaya, who had just walked up. I have a picture of me as a baby with Nui. I think I remember him. Awkward. Kaya didn't have any childhood memories. She gave me a polite, that's cute, dear, smile which was something she'd never actually say, before Nui started to growl at her. Kaya threw the poor dog such a harsh look that Nui whimpered and backed off. How'd you do that? It's a gift. She went to help Grandad with the trunks.
It was a good thing Kaya came along. Otherwise, we'd never have gotten the luggage upstairs to my room. Grandad gave it a valiant effort, but only managed to pile them up in the hallway. My room. I can't say that it was bad. I mean, it was nice. Hardwood floors, high ceiling, a cute little bed with white lace bedspread that was probably homemade. I might have even liked it if Mom and Dad were there with me. But my life had changed too much. In the short time I'd spent with Kaya, and the lifetimes I'd spent in a tick, I felt like I'd gotten less mature than I was before. Like I was aging backwards. I looked at the ornate doll cabinet filled with little porcelain collectibles and wondered why anyone would want that stuff. Somewhere deep inside of me, a little voice said, They're cute. But the rest of me beat that little voice to a pulp. I was a changed woman. Kaya unpacked my bags while I lay on the bed, unable to move. The higher gravity had worn me out over the course of the day. Kaya? Yeah? I... Well, since Mom died, I don't really have any friends I can talk to. I, I mean, like me, Nadir the girl, not Nadir the daughter of the diplomat. Don't you have any friends back on your home planet? Oh, they all hated us. We were from here. They were from there. They wouldn't give me the time of day. Well, you can talk to me. Really? Sure. That was all I needed. I can't stay here, Kaya. I'll die. I would have sat up and thrown a fit, but I couldn't lift my head. What are you talking about? This is lovely. Lovely if you're a peanut. I had to explain peanuts to her and how they'd send me all the different kinds of peanut stuff. Kaya showed more interest in that than my problems. How did they taste? There had to be some around here somewhere. I labored to move my eyes, and sure enough, on the nightstand was a white and blue porcelain dish with sweet roasted peanuts sitting on top of a white doily Graham's no doubt made herself. Try some. She did. She liked them. You know, if these things are as useful as you say, I could set up some buyers. She was way off the subject. Kaya! She hummed at me, but she wasn't really listening. I went on anyway. How much did Dad pay you to- None of your business. Okay, so she was listening. Why do you ask? I want to know how much it would cost to get you to help me rescue him. I had Kaya's attention now. Where is this coming from? What? You wanted to do it right after Derek took him. No, I wanted to kick ass. Derek's, I mean, not your dad's. It would amount to the same thing. Rescuing dad, I mean, not kicking his ass. She sat next to me on the bed. Dear, your dad is spending his last bit of life confronting his worst enemy. He's happy. He doesn't want to be saved. I know. Saved isn't the right word. There wasn't a word for what I had in mind. I want to bury him back home, next to Mom. She's all alone there. I was really starting to understand about loneliness. It's too dangerous. Not for you. For you, me, anybody. I can't stay here. I barely know these people. I saw them when I was little. After we moved, they sent me stupid mail and dumb birthday presents. They're, they're practically strangers. So this isn't about your parents. That's not fair. I just want to get the record straight. Look, you hate your dad, okay? So you wouldn't understand. Sure, that was below the belt. But if I'd hit her like I wanted to, she'd have thrown me out the window. When Kaya didn't say anything, regret welled up inside of me. Not that I did anything about it, but it was there. 
Instead of apologizing, I said, Before we left Victalis, Dad said this had to be my decision. He said I could stay here as long as I liked, then go off to school or whatever, and come back here to take care of his parents. Well, I've stayed here as long as I'd like, and I want to do... whatever. She took another handful of peanuts, popped them in her mouth, took her time chewing, then said, It's still too dangerous. Why? Why can't I have a life like yours? Why can't I be a pirate like you? A pirate, huh? Yeah. Like me. Of course. Make my own rules, live my own life. Your father would come back from the dead and kill me if I let that happen. No, I would be a, a good pirate. There's no such thing. That doesn't mean there couldn't be. What would a good pirate do? Give people stuff? Kaya kind of chuckled, which is about as close as she'd ever come to a belly laugh. Sure, why not? Or, or you know, help the defenseless. Come to the rescue. Natty. Don't call me that. Not helping whatsoever. Grams called from downstairs. Natty, dear, wash up for dinner! Her voice made me even more desperate. Kaya, please don't make me stay here. This is where your life is. Not if you take me with you. No. But I said no. Ugh, I wanted to kill her. I hate you! Yeah, I regretted it. At the time, not so much because it was a mean thing to say as because I had to ask her to help me off the bed and down the stairs. Dinner was intolerable. I had to translate as Kaya talked with Granda about peanuts. She explained about galactic trading, supply and demand, shipping costs, profit margins, blah, blah, and blah. I couldn't have cared less. <sighs> Graham said she hadn't seen Granda this excited about anything since Dad was born. After dinner, I refused any help getting up the stairs. I wanted to do it myself, carry my own weight, no matter what. I had to stop and rest halfway up. Other than that, I did okay. I thought my frustration with Kaya would have kept me awake all night, but I fell asleep quickly. Next thing I knew... Little Natty, little Natty, wake-up! That horrid song only motivated me to put a pillow over my head. I remember thinking that must have been why Dad always liked to sleep late when he could. I lay there lifting my arms and legs one at a time, trying to decide if I was completely used to the gravity yet. Then Grams knocked on my door. Natty, your friend is about to leave. Don't you want to say goodbye? That was not a yes or no question. Not at the time. I'll be down in a bit. When I got downstairs, no one was there. Crap. I'd missed her. Wait, I could hear people talking outside. But what's the point? She's not going to take me with her. I might as well just get some breakfast to say goodbye. I compromised and crept out onto the porch. Kaya was loading a leather bag full of peanuts into a compartment on her vehicle. The drawer closed into what would have been its butt if it really were a four-legged creature. Kaya was talking to Granda. Again, thanks for the nuts. I'll have you set up an interstellar trading before you know it. Granddad didn't understand her, just nodded and puffed on his pipe. He was holding Nui by the collar. I made a mental note to rekindle my relationship with the dog. He looked like he'd make a good friend out here, in the middle of nowhere. Grams was giving motherly advice to Kaya and her broken merchant. You be careful now. 
Are you sure you don't want to take a sandwich along for your trip? If you're in this area, be sure to look us up. Natty will be glad to see you. Kaya looks my way. I contemplated the horizon in another direction. She's a good kid. I like her, I heard her say. I'm sorry about her father. As are we. Graham said this like Dad had died years ago and she was used to it. I think she must have resolved herself to his inevitable death when he started his peace crusade. She had a bravery about her that I never really knew. Kaya looked over at me again. She caught me looking at her, but I glanced away. She reached up on the saddle of the beast vehicle and started it up. The engine was quiet, no revving up or showing off necessary. Kaya was about to ride away, and I'd never see her again. I was being so stupid. Kaya! I ran to her. I overcame the gravity of Kasiri to leap into her arms and give her a giant hug. Hey, I get it, she said before breaking our hug. When she did, she held onto my shoulders. You dream of living a life of adventure. Well, I live a life of adventure. And you know what I dream about? What? She let go of me to get a better look at the yellow house, the open fields, and the beautiful day that was just getting started. This. A quiet house. Family. Love. I hung my head. I guess. An adventurous life is not something you choose. It's something that happens when you don't have any other choice. I looked up at her and tried not to cry. I just really miss my dad. He's happy knowing you're safe. I'm going to miss you too. I left my number in your room, so you can call me if you need me. I need you now. We've been through that, right? Not to my satisfaction, but that was no time to be petty. I guess. Nadir? I'd like to stay, I would. It's nice here. Peaceful. She said that with a special emphasis, and a smile that told me she was echoing Dad's favorite thing. I gave her a sad smile back, but didn't say anything. Kaya went on. But I have a journey of my own. I have to find my memories. Find out who I am. Yeah, yeah. I knew she was right, but that didn't make it any less painful. Will I see you again? You were awake through a tick. You tell me. I felt a smile rising inside of me like the sun coming over the horizon. Kaya didn't say anything else. Just got on her GV and waved goodbye. The beast vehicle turned around and Kaya, with her blonde hair flying in the breeze, galloped out of my life. But not forever. I didn't know when, or where, or how it would happen, but I knew I'd see her again, for she had been in just about every life I remembered from my tick. <laughs>